Hi, welcome back on the subscribe blog. Um, you may have seen the episodes uh, where we I discussed uh, service bus premium messaging briefly, three minutes, and uh, the previous episode where Dan and I, Dan Rosanova and I, um, kind of brought uh, subscribe this uh, blog back from uh, sleep. And uh, I, we said we're going to talk more about messaging. We're going to talk more about uh, service bus and go into the details. We're starting that today with uh, this talk where I'm going to go and give you a broad overview over service bus messaging because we haven't done that in a while. And uh, so I'm going to go back, talk about messaging, talk about why you want it and uh, what uh, we have in service bus in terms of capabilities. I'm not going to go down into the API um, or at the API level or protocol level. We're going to do that in deep dives, but I really want to give you the big picture um, ultimately culminating in our new uh, premium product, which is kind of the flagship of the product family. So we'll talk about the platform, talk about some standards, talk about some facts and figures, and uh, talk about uh, the capabilities that we have, just broadly speaking, that we have in the platform. Want to start with some basic patterns, load leveling being one of them. So messaging foundationally is really about getting data reliably from A to B and have some decoupling uh, between this, that decoupling typically results in with messaging systems, with brokered messaging system in a push-pull translation. So you push data in and you pull data out. That has some uh, really nice uh, properties and uh, enables some very nice capabilities. For instance, a pattern called load leveling. With load leveling, um, you can effectively decouple the read side of um, a, a system from the write side of the system. What do I mean? If you have a, if you create a website, if you create a large system, very often there's a ton of people, a ton of consumers um, that want to read information, that are interested in getting data, more so than writing information. It's very often the case. Um, whether that's a website or whether that's a service layer, or as we say today, microservices layer doesn't really matter. Um, lots of services are set up for providing information to very many. Uh, people. So you have a website and the website you can optimize by creating caching on the server, by leveraging the caching capabilities of the user agent of the browser, and also by having caches in the form of uh, you know, caches that are sitting behind a, or on the side of web service or having even content delivery networks. The web is really built for um, or is optimized for reading information, disseminating information to a huge number of people. In many business systems where you build commerce systems, uh, the right side, writing data, is much more constrained. So a few examples, think about an airline where you need to fill individual seats. You need to go and check people into particular seats. Well, you only want to have one authority, which is actually assigning those seats. If you are selling tickets for a sporting event um, or for a concert, you don't want to go and sell tickets doubly. You may want to, uh, or you can go and create um, writers for particular sections. Let's say you have a concert for a world superstar. Let's say, who are the ladies? Beyonce and Katy Perry or the Rolling Stones come into town. There's a whole stadium, 75,000 people fit into that stadium. And you want to sell those tickets. And those tickets are going to sell in a minute or two. Well, maybe in 10 minutes but it's going to go rap very rapidly. One way you can do deal with that problem is you can go and segment this out, partition the problem, um, but you're still causing a lot of 
contention on the individual re uh, records. And if you allow 100,000 people to show up on your website and you're putting all that load onto the database, doing writes and doing inserts and doing transactions, um, the database may keel over and you see that fairly often. So one way to deal with that is to, se to, to segregate this, to go and put the writes, turn the rights into jobs and put those jobs into queues and then have the transactional part go and pull the data off the queues. Now the website, the user wants to have some feedback and there's patterns to how to enable this. We're not going to talk about those. They exist. We're going to talk about those in a future episode. But generally you have a lot of load from the website. You want to have consistent ownership of particular records that one seat in the stadium or that one seat in the airline in the aircraft and this is owned by a business system and you want to go and not put the stress of the rush for the tickets on that transactional system the way you decouple it is put a queue in the middle and the business process system only pulls as much jobs as it can go in process so it doesn't get into under external stress that's one way of how you can solve these stress situations and not make the backend crash. The backend may get slow because it doesn't have the capacity, but it doesn't crash. That also allows for batch processing um, or for offline processing. So if the backend does crash, um, all the jobs are actually queuing up, but they never get lost. So if you are getting a message into that queue, the queue, that message will be, that job will be seen by the business process backend eventually. The business process backend can go offline, you can go and upgrade it, you can go and bug fix it if you, if you need to, um, or you can allow uh, jobs to pile up over a period of time for an hour or two a day, and then only bring a business system up to process them all in one go if you want to. So that's one pattern enabled by um, queues or by messaging. Another or two setters patterns, in fact. Um, another pattern is load balancing. Uh, load balancing requires obviously that you have something to balance, balance across. So the first thing you can do is you can observe the queue length and as you observe the queue length, if the queue length gets over a certain threshold for a sustained period of time, you can spin up an, another set of resources, more business processes, and those business processes can then pull, from the, pull jobs from that queue in a competing fashion and to share the load across them. If the load, if the queue size still rises, then you can go and spin up more resources until you get a balance between the input and the output. Um, there's two ways of doing this. Uh, one is with a competing com consumer model with between queues. The other one is uh, using partitioning. Partitioning is something you can do with topics. A topic is like a queue. Fundamentally, you can send data in, you can pull data out. Uh, the queues have the topics have uh, um, the ability to create multiple outs and those multiple outs are called subscriptions and for each subscription you can effectively every message that gets sent in can be selected in um, one of those subscriptions. That allows you to do taps. The concept of a tap is that uh, you send the data in and you can now go and add another, let's say the audit um, um, uh, subscription which sees every message that has been sent to that topic and puts it into an audit log. Another way of do, using a topic is for multicast fan out. You send one message in and every subscriber gets a copy of it if you want to uh, distribute across a, a larger number of subscribers. And the other model is partitioning that I just alluded to. So go back to the stadium scenario. You want to sell the tickets to the stadium within a very short period of time. 
You could write, make a rider for each section of the stadium where you want to sell the tickets. So each of those riders um, owns a section of the stadium. It only rides to those um, seats. So when people are selecting a ticket and they want to go and then push the button and purchase it, first come, first serve, um, that message then gets routed to the rider, which is responsible for that respective section, and that then goes and uh, makes a call of whether it can go and seat the particular persons, and it can also go and reseat people if it needs to be, or if it can't fill that, it can go and you know, throw the message back into um, a uh, compensation mechanism. So in the Microsoft message platform, we can accommodate all those patterns. We have queues and we have topics and those topics have subscription rules and we have this consistently available using a consistent set of APIs and a consistent set of protocols on premises and in the public cloud. On premises or in the private cloud, we have this as um, a service bus for Windows Server 1.1. And we have this in form of the service bus for Windows Server 1.1 in the Windows Azure pack. Those are software packages you can go and install. And they're included in the licensing of Windows Server and uh, in the licensing options for Windows Azure pack. So that's something you can run on your own hardware um, and you operate on your own hardware. Service bus standard and service bus premium are things we operate for you in the public cloud um, and the nice thing is um, that it's very easy to switch between them so you can go and do local development on service bus for windows server and you can go and run against the cloud you can do um, either way there are some differences in terms of features between those and those are mostly caused by the upgrade cycle we upgrade Service Bus for Windows Server along the upgrade cycles of, uh, of Server and of uh, Windows Azure Pack or Windows Azure Stack. So we haven't been doing an update in, in a while and we're going to do one in a while. Um, but the product exists and is active and there will be updates. We're, we can do more rap rapid updates in the cloud because we're going cloud first. All new features that we always build are always going to cloud first. So they go into Service Bus Standard and go into Service Bus Premium, and then eventually they're going to show up in the premises product. But the foundational capabilities, sending, receiving messages, and all those things are consistent across the platform. In terms of the numbers for the cloud platform, we have uh, hit some very nice milestones recently. Azure Service Bus Event Hubs, or Azure Event Hubs, um, has um, managed to uh, process more than a trillion messages per month. Um, just a few months ago, we're already nearing 1.5 trillion now. Um, we Just a few months ago, we had 200 billion message operations um, on Service Bus standard. Um, so queues and topics, 200 billion a month. And we're nearing there 250 billion very rapidly. We do well over six petabyte of monthly data volume that we pull through service bus and again that number is very highly very quickly rising and of course since we're messaging since we're moving data around we're also benefiting from and you are benefiting from um, the massive build out that we have in terms of networking capacity and networking um, um, infrastructure um, across North America and also across the world we have 85 global internet exchanges where we effectively take over the traffic directly onto Microsoft Fiber, onto the Microsoft network, um, which means that if you're building globally distributed applications, 
your service bus solutions are going to benefit from um, running over our dedicated network as soon as we can take that traffic um, from you. In terms of capabilities, I said they're consistent. Uh, we have uh, both service bus on-premises as well as service bus in the cloud, our multi-node um, clustered message brokers. What that means, I'm going to show you in a few diagrams uh, later in this talk. We're using the MQP protocol. We have an HTTP REST protocol head through which you can manage resources. You can you know, create queues and topics in the event hubs in the event hub namespaces um, and relays in the relay namespaces. Um, and you can also send and receive messages, obviously, through a very simple HTTP um, API. And the queues and the publish and subscribe topics are consistently available between Service Bus and Windows Server and Azure Service Bus. There's some small differences in terms of capabilities between the two, but most of the capabilities are available across um, all of them, including that MQP 1.0 support. Um, one thing that's not available is partitioned entities, um, in, not available in Windows Service, in Service Bus for Windows Server, and what that means, um, I'm gonna to explain to you also a little bit later. The storage engine on-premises is SQL Server. Reason for SQL Server is that you, or the people who are managing your infrastructure know how to run SQL Server. They know how to do the backup, they know how to do disaster recovery, they know how to manage your data, and it's enterprise data, so it's very, it's good for them to have you know, existing skills to make sure that if something happens on Service Bus, that they know how to go and deal with that data and restore it in a consistent fashion. So we chose SQL Server also because it's something that people who are managing data know how to manage and also know how to set up in clusters. And SQL gives you a very nice ability to go and create singular stores. So Service Bus for Windows Server runs on SQL Express on a single store, but it also runs on SQL Server fully scaled out always on, um, depending on how you like it. Service Bus 4 in Azure runs, the standard version runs on SQL Azure DB. Um, or on Azure SQL DB to be precise. We also get that replication. And for premium messaging, we've actually made a uh, switch and we've switched to the Azure Event Hub storage engine we nicknamed Jetstream. And uh, I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later. Differences from a management perspective are obvious. Um, Azure Service Bus for Windows Server, you manage yourself. And Azure Service Bus and Azure Service Bus Premium Messaging is something that we manage, monitor 24-7, um, and we also provide full um, lifesite support for. Azure Service Bus Standard is something that where we are giving you pooled resources. Service Bus Premium is something where we give you dedicated resources. So from a resourcing model, resource reservation model, it's more like IS, but I'm going to talk about that also in a second. The MQP protocol is the core protocol that we sort of support in Service Bus. We still have um, some remnants of, a, um, of our .NET-centric uh, proprietary protocols it's called SBMP. We're eliminating those over the course of the next uh, few months so that all of the features that we have are going to be fully available in MQP 1.0. It's an um, international standard, and the reason why I'm uh, emphasizing 1.0 so much is that there really are um, multiple versions of AMQP around, and that's worth um, talking about for a second. Um, this slide says it's broker model independent, and it has no, no dependencies of broker internals. That was not the case of AMQP 
AMQP, most of the AMQP broker vendors have moved over to AMQP 1.0 with a few exceptions that I will not name here, but there are a few. Um, the only standardized version of AMQP is 1.0 and the AMQP working group has abandoned 0.9 because it has brokers dependent features. So it was a there was a particular topology, a particular um, broker model that was in mind, and it wasn't, it wasn't able to go and accommodate relayed traffic. It wasn't able to accommodate basically arbitrary um, mechanisms like having event hubs to use AMQP, like having queues, our queues and topics with particular features have used AMQP. It would have been a more constrained thing. And so the working group then proceeded and built three years ago. It was standardized three years ago, AMQP 1.0. And that is the only standard version of AMQP and the version 0.9, which some one, two broker vendors are still claiming is the standard, really isn't. Um, that version is an international standard, I, I, so IAC 19.464, and that's the one that we're supporting. And that uh, Apache Cupid and uh, Apache ActiveMQ and uh, SwiftMQ and uh, IBM's uh, um, MQLite are all supporting that same standard protocol. The protocol is also the foundation for the programming model options that we have, where we allow you to effectively come from any platform in terms of client. Service Bus for Windows Server and Service Azure Service Bus and Premium Messaging have the same protocol gestures. There's a few protocol gestures more that the cloud supports, um, and that's just owed to the fact that uh, it progresses faster. Um, we're supporting, as I said, our proprietary protocol, which we're um, phasing out. Phasing out means that we're not going to cut support for it, um, but we're not going to emphasize it. We're not going to do any more development. So that's why we're talking about MQP here primarily. And the MQP protocol is backing our .NET SDK, uh, which many of you are using, which still has support for WCF um, if you want that. Um, we have a AMQP.NET Lite, which is effectively a, a, a Lite library, which exposes more of the primitives of AMQP. And that's an open source project that's run by our team. And um, that is for .NET and supports the universal Windows platform. So Windows 10 and Windows 8 um, for store apps. It also, and Windows uh, 10 IoT Core, of course. It supports the core CLR, so the new open source version of the CLR 5.0. Um, it supports Mono. And also supports the small embedded versions of the .NET framework, namely um, the Compact framework and also the Micro framework. Um, that's for AMQP Net Lite. And then we have a community contribution, which we're actually very happy about, from Paolo Patierno from Italy. And he uh, took the Service Bus SDK, um, made a substrate of the necessary APIs to do messaging of the Service Bus SDK. He basically took our, our interface uh, picture, uh, interfaces and implemented them into SB Lite, which rides on top of the AMQP Net Lite. So if you're like the familiar programming model, you can use SB Lite, the SB Lite library, and use that. For everything else, Win32 apps, for Linux apps, for Mac, for, for Mac OS X, for um, embedded applications, um, we're contributing code into Apache Cupid, Proton, C, Proton-J, and uh, that is a library that's uh, from the Apache Krupa pro project and has become kind of the universal AM AMQP 1.0 client library. Um, so that allows you to go and write applications in C, C++, 
um, or in Java, or there's a whole host, which I haven't even listed, of, uh, of languages from Go to Perl and PHP, etc., um, that lets you um, target the MQP library. If you um, don't want to use the MQP library, if you don't want to take a dependency on this, there is uh, bindings for HTTP. We have an HTTP protocol. So we have uh, our um, uh, Azure SDKs, the Python and PHP and Node, etc. And most of them include an, a simple HTTP client to service bus, which is always great for sending messages and uh, is uh, using an, uh, a long polling model for receiving messages over HTTP. It's not so efficient as MQP is, but still fairly efficient. Service bus queues, going into the detail of the product, they are based on an ordered message log, you send messages in, and the messages get timestamped in order of arrival. Um, they, once the messages are accepted, um, they are held safely in redundant storage. I showed you that. So they're going to SQL or going into our new log. The data is always redundantly replicated. If any of the stores fail, that's not going to be a problem. And we support multiplexing. We support strongly ordered delivery in uh, service bus queues. There's really two fundamental modes of receiving messages from service bus queues. One is pull. So you use an API to receive messages from the queues. The other one is pushing and forwarding forward to into other entities inside of the same service bus namespace that you can use for composition, which is very powerful. And I have a dedicated slide for that at a moment. Service bus topics, as I said, no, a, service, a queue is one in, one out. Service bus topics, one in, multiple outs. Each subscription that is durably created and named um, can have a copy of the message. There are all the filters when, through which you can decide whether a message goes into your topic. You can have up to 2,000 subscriptions on a singular topic. And uh, you can actually have up to 2,000 of these filter rules um, on a uh, per subscription um, through which you can make decisions of whether you want to have your messages. The subscription rules can decide based on the message properties. Um, the message properties are part of the message. Um, we have a model of messages that's loosely aligned with AMQP 1.0, but we have an it's really an abstract model because we can go, and go from HTTP to AMQP very easily. So you can send a message in through HTTP, you can receive it through AMQP, you can send it through AMQP and receive it through HTTP, and we're mapping this through this abstract model. So we have system properties, we have application properties, and we have the body of the message. The body is something we never touch, and the application properties is something that's your thing. You can go and put arbitrary properties in here. You can also have no body at all and just put your data into the properties if you want to. And into the system properties goes everything that the broker needs to understand. Um, the application properties can be used for filtering in these subscription rules. So you can make these SQL 92 expressions and with that basically target your data stream towards um, uh, particular partitions um, or filter which messages you want to go and see. There's three delivery options. One is uh, receive and delete. You can pull messages out uh, very, very quickly. And uh, the messages are deleted from the broker as they are being put on the wire effectively, which makes it fast because you don't need to go and acknowledge them. But if the message is lost on the wire, if the transfer um, is abandoned, then you lose that message. So it's a fast way, but it's a more risky way. It's a um, it's what we call at most once 
Peak lock is an at least once mechanism. You take the message out. The message stays in the in the um, queue over there. It's being locked, as we call it. And then you get the message. You can process the message, and then you say unlock in the .NET API. And there's other gestures in the other APIs, um, or sorry, you say complete in the .NET API. And there's other unlock gestures in the other APIs uh, by which you confirm that the, you have the message received, and then only then gets the, does the message get get uh, deleted. Um, and uh, that gives you reliable at least once delivery. And then there's a session model for this, which is similar to PCLog, except that all the subsequent messages that have the same session ID also get locked alongside with it, which gives you strict ordering, strict order guarantees that we enable by sessions. That's a special feature that we have in Service Bus. Back to the forwarding capability that I mentioned in the queues. The forwarding capability allows you to go and uh, create compositions of uh, queues and topics. You can create, for instance, scale-out topics. You can create a tree, um, as you can see here. You can send a message into a topic, and you can have a subscription then forward onto a further uh, uh, topic. So you can go and make a topic that has 100 subscriptions, and then you can add 100 topics, which each have 100 subscriptions, and now you can go and send out to a further population, but you only sent one message in. That's what we call a fan-out tree. Um, you can do a fan-in where you let queues take a, a set of queues take the initial load if you have extreme bursts, and then you can go and trickle them down into one consolidating queue, and that consolidating queue, the, the pumps that are doing this, can't overstress that consolidating queue. You can also have different rights, different access control rights on different queues. Um, um, so you can also use it for that, and you can use it for route decoupling. So you can give a um, client a particular queue that they will go and send all messages to, and you can go and change the forward to property on that queue, which means you can decouple the input and the output, and you can flexibly rewire them inside of Service Bus. So that forwarding capability is a very, very powerful feature. And then lastly, um, also something we haven't discussed here in Subscribe yet, is a partitioned entity capability. And the partitioned entity capability is something that exists in Service Bus on, in the cloud. And what that gives you is a queue or a topic where the log is actually split up across multiple storage backends. Effectively, you get a, a thing that looks like one queue, but really is a set of parallel queues. What that breaks is absolute order. So if you care about that, you don't use a partition queue. But most scenarios, you don't need um, absolute order across the entire stream, but you need at, at most per source order, which you can go and con control here because we have a way to go for you to control a so-called partition key. And with a partition key, you can keep all the related messages together. And what that gives you is if any of our backend storage systems should be slow or should have higher latency, um, that will even it out. It's a reliability feature that we have on by default partitioned entities, so one queue doesn't have one log, but one queue is actually spread out across a number of logs, which gives you a better performance uh, and better reliability really all up. We have more features in service bus queues and service bus topics. There's just a list here. We support batching. We have uh, dead letter capabilities, duplicate detection. We have entities you can create a queue and you can have, have that queue expire. Um, messages can expire. We have multiplexing um, through a queue, um, so you can send multiple independent streams. Uh, we have scheduled messages. You can put a scheduled message in, and it can show up three hours later. 
in the queue. We have session state management for workflow support and we support transactions. Um, so you can build a very many sophisticated applications with Service Bus and we're gonna go into, into depth on many of those features in future episodes. Most of those capabilities that I've talked about so far are consistent uh, with the exception of uh, um, partition entities consistent across cloud and on-premises. The reason why you want to run in the cloud typically is cost. Specifically, when you are already building cloud-based applications, you may be tempted to go and install your own message broker. Um, maybe Service Bus, maybe a different one. The PaaS system, so us running the broker for you, has some very strong advantages. First of all, it's instantly available. You don't need to set anything up. You don't need to go and provision any VMs. You don't need to monitor those VMs. There's no deployment effort. You don't need to write any scripts. It's just there. And it speaks a standard protocol that you can talk to from effectively any language from or any platform from Node through PHP, through Java, through .NET. Um, so you don't need to worry about storage. You don't need to uh, worry about software licenses or maintenance. Uh, we give you a financially decked SLA. Um, and we do deal with automatic failover and we do disaster recovery, which means if the data center were to burn down, we can go and stand up your existing workload with your data in a different data center because we're doing continuous replication between those places. That's something that you don't need to um, set anything up for. And obviously, when we upgrade the system, um, we do this with no downtime. Uh, we flex it. We have our clusters are big enough that we can take parts of them down, and they're designed in a way um, that uh, downtimes don't affect the system even under load. Service Bus standard. So the standard product in the cloud that we have is available in uh, 15 plus global data center version uh, regions. We have relayed and brokered messaging inside inside of there. Um, queues and topics, as I as I mentioned. The MQP protocol, HTTP REST protocol, and how that's implemented is over um, effectively shared resources. It's a multi-tenant system. You put your queues in there and they run on our resources, which gives you um, a, the economics of a multi-tenant uh, system, which means you're leveraging shared resources and the price is very low. The price is very low, but the quality is very high. You get a world-class high-scale, highly available, highly reliable system. Um, our communication gateways, which speak AMQP and which speak HTTP, are scaled out, they're stateless gateways, up to 128 nodes, 128 machines per um, service bus cluster. Um, the messaging capabilities run in a specific subsystem backend, that's where your queues and your uh, topics are being managed. A queue and a topic has one primary owner at a time. There's secondaries which uh, keep the state, uh, keep track of that state, which the data gets re replicated to. And then that's backed by um, a log store, which also is replicated. And the nice thing is um, we are dealing with all the failure conditions and we're dealing with machines going down and upgrades and replenishing machines that have gone down um, automatically for you. So the queue, is owned by a broker, and that, own, that broker is uh, writing to a log, or as I talked to, to you about it, um, partition queues, multiple um, logs. And should one of those brokers fail, then we're failing over to a secondary. 
if should the log fail, then of course they're also failing over the secondary. You don't need to worry about those things that just happens automatically for you in a fairly large cluster. So there's um, rarely, we don't run out of resources and we automatically go and stand up that second machine for you. If you were running your own broker, you would probably do a setup with like a cluster of three or four. If your broker technology even supports anything but a, a hot cold setup, um, active, active, active brokers are not so common. And uh, so if you support this then, and one of your machines dies, um, then you have to go and replenish and have to rejoin that machine to the cluster and all those have to have to do all that work. Um, you don't have to do that here at all because we just do that for you. With premium, you get all those capabilities. You get all the um, automatic upgrade, all the automated management and all those things, all those features. But we have now taken effectively the, the concept of standing up your own service bus on your own resources which gives you isolation, which gives you your own CPU, it gives you your own um, memory, it gives you your own storage. We've taken that concept and basically built a model where you get a cluster inside the cluster. You can reserve yourself th those resources in the form of a messaging unit. The messaging unit is that we, something that we don't call VM because it's not quite like that. It's very similar to a VM in that you get a guaranteed core. You get actually more than a single core, but let's stick with me for a second. You get a, you get a core and you get allocation of memory, like seven gigabytes. In fact, you get more than this because you also get secondaries. So you get a primary with a messaging unit and that messaging unit is roughly equivalent to a core plus memory. The secondaries also count because the data that comes in gets replicated to effectively what is um, a secondary or a set of secondaries which are candidates to become a primary for you if your primary fails. So you don't get one core, you actually get more than one core and you get more than that seven gigs of, rem uh, of memory. Um, and that's why it's a messaging unit because it's something that is reserved space in the cluster. We never over provision the cluster, we actually under provision the cluster significantly to have enough reserves. Um, and that messaging unit is now processing your messages. All of your queues and your topics are being handled by your messaging units. One namespace can have one, two, or four of these messaging units, which means you get the rough equivalent of a four core clustered machine with secondary reserves uh, in your cluster. So you get effectively IaaS performance, IaaS, IaaS infrastructure as a service like isolation. And with that, you get predictable predictability because a lot of the work that's being done specifically in enterprise messaging, all the, all the features that are enumerated, duplicate detection, um, session management, etc., are very CPU and memory intensive. And now you're no longer competing for those resources with everybody else in the cluster, but these are your resources that you have. And again, you get effectively the flexibility and the failover and the management. You don't need to worry about your own um, VMs, etc. You get that by us having a mixed model of having dedicated resources that work like a cluster inside a cluster inside of that broad multi-tenant um, um, shared managed platform. And of course, in terms of throughput, what you get also in messaging is our new Jetstream engine. The Jetstream engine is um, the same engine that we built for Azure Event Hubs, where it processes over one trillion messages per month. 
And uh, that Jetstream engine has been now updated to support all the extra features for queues and for topics. Um, the event hubs are a fairly, a very powerful, very broadly scalable pass-through mechanism. And here we are doing a lot of processing in addition, so we need to do a lot of indexing, etc. So we've added those capabilities to that new uh, Jetstream engine. And that's now available to premium messaging customers. So premium messaging is exactly like Azure Service Bus standard um, in terms of capabilities, but it gives you these exclusive compute and storage allocations through which you get more predictability. And that's the theme for Service Bus uh, premium messaging. And what you'll see is that as we're adding more features to Service Bus um, messaging, uh, most of those new features will be showing up in premium first and also premium is going is giving us more ways to do things that are compute bound now um, rather than um, things that are just purely i o bound so service bus standard is going to stay um, um, fairly simple in terms of compute capabilities or compute demand cap capabilities and so premium messaging has some more headroom to take those on so to draw a comparison really standard is reliable i have a a jumbo jet here um, and a big fan of the jumbo jet um, so i'm also a big fan of azure service bus standard um, it's a very efficient use of shared resources um, you know, with the jumbo jet 350 people can fly in uh, in a single jumbo jet um, high performance reliability standardized management standardized pro protocols sometimes you need to have the dependability and the predictability and the individual um, have the individual needs to go have a private jet. And that really is what premium is. Premium is the private jet compared to um, the commercial jetliner. It gives you dedicated resources and you get predictable and reliable performance that you can, that you can control by selecting how many messaging units you want. That also has uh, effects on pricing. In Service Bus Standard, you are being charged on a per-transaction basis. Um, you have a base charge of $10 a month with some um, inclusive uh, message volume up to 12.5 million operations per month are included. And then the overage is being charged on a per-transaction basis. Um, and with Service Bus Premium, the pricing is predictable, which means you are paying for the resources and as many uh, transactions you can execute on those resources. So $22, $26 per day, it's a daily charge per messaging unit. These are prices that are gonna be effective at general availability. And uh, we're gonna have a reduced rate as we are um, still, as long as we're still in uh, public preview with Service Bus Premium. So there again, the pricing is predictable. It's not tied to transaction count. It's actually just tied to how many resources you're buying, you're renting effectively, how big you make your cluster inside of our cluster. So summary, Service Bus Standard, fully managed PaaS infrastructure, uh, available worldwide, wherever you want it, 15 plus data centers around the world, fully standards based, pay-as-you-go pricing. And then premium, you get the cluster within a cluster, all the capabilities and reliability and all the management advantages of a PaaS infrastructure, um, but you get reserved capacity for higher predictability, higher performance, higher performance through the new um, high-speed uh, storage engine, and of course, predictable flat rate pricing. And with that, 
I would like to thank you for sticking with me, for listening uh, to uh, a, this baseline presentation about Azure Service Bus messaging capabilities from server through standard, through our new premium SKU. And uh, I hope I give you, give you a nice overview here. We will continue on that path, go into details, actually do a developer um, overview first in .NET and then in a bunch of different languages to show you uh, how to unlock the power of Service Bus in your own applications. Thank you for listening. Bye.